forget what episode number this is. I haven't recorded in a while. Um, life's been crazy. Life is crazy. Anyway, today I am here with a very good friend of mine, David Terry. Um, you may know him as the poet of Washington Square Park. Um, and I met David. And he, before he even knew I had a podcast or what it was about, he told me he wanted to talk about these three things. David, what were they? Um, homelessness, uh, substance abuse issues, as well um, the fact that you know uh, we have mental health issues that are not being addressed. We have people that are living in these SROs that are dying in there basically because they don't do wellness checks in terms of the people that live there. There's basically a lot of blood money going on in terms of... Uh, mental health, substance abuse, and homelessness. Those three things are a tantamount in terms of getting people the care that they need. It seems to me that the resources that they have available are limited in terms of uh, helping people that are homeless in terms of getting them gainfully employed or even get a, giving them the proper mental health treatment. A lot of times, most, of, at least in my experience, I've seen many, many people fall through the cracks in terms of not getting the care that they need. I think that there's a systematic abuse going on. I think that it really needs to be looked at thoroughly. I think that there are layers and layers in terms of systemic abuse that is constantly going on and no one seems to really pay any mind to it. A lot of times people that are either HIV positive or homeless or have mental health issues, you know, they will not speak out about what they need. So. Basically, they just run over and forgotten, and uh-huh. they just they look at them as cogs in a wheel. My name is David, and I've been homeless now for six years. David Terry. Thank you for and introducing yourself, David. My thing is this: is Al. First of all, let me thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh my God, thank you! This is the first time I've had a celebrity <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> You're crazy! You're so crazy. We're gonna both be stars you are after crazy. this. You are We're crazy. gonna get famous. But it, anyway. You're gonna make me famous. <laughs> sure, you are. <right>. Celeb. <laughs> but in, excuse me. <laughs> Anyway, what I really wanted to get at was, you know, I've been um, HIV positive for about 22 years. And in my experience of dealing with these particular issues, they will not, for whatever reasons, provide people that are HIV positive or even homeless with decent housing. They will put them in a single-room occupancy hotel. The city gets gargantuan amounts of money just to house them. Meanwhile, they're not getting the proper care. In other words, they... Go ahead, Al. Oh, I was going to ask, can you, uh, like, kind of describe, like, what kind of, what care they're getting, if at all? And also, can you tell me, sorry, I don't know what an SRO is. It's a single-room occupancy hotel. All right. You are up on the abbreviations that I am not, and I apologize. It's okay. Now I know. Thank you. But So, yeah, so what kind of care, if any, are people getting in these SROs? They're not getting any, if anything, it's very minimal. You're basically left to your own devices, and a lot of times... As I said, and I'm going to say for the record, they don't do wellness checks because of the money involved. It's basically blood money that the city is getting to house these people. When something that in an untold man happens like a death from an overdose, everybody's screaming and running with their heads covered. People are but overdosing in these yes, facilities? It's very prevalent. Is there Narcan available? Yes, but a lot of times it's too little too late because a lot of yeah. times people are getting high by themselves behind closed doors. Which is... Yeah, you know, and yeah. you can't you can't just barge in there, but of you can actually. Not. I really believe Al that it is so important that they look at this and do wellness checks because Absolutely. throughout the throughout the city, without uh, I mean, you do have some SROs that are pretty decent, but most of them are run of the mill. 
most of them are turn of the century buildings and they're not adequately uh they're not adequately equipped to house people that are homeless they don't have a lot of times they don't have ovens or stoves a lot of times people are eating out of a damn microwave which is insane to me then they want to to, to tell you to take four to five hundred dollars out of your check your ssi check or whatever you get to pay them plus the hustle money that they no, i'm not going to do that i'm not going to give you money on top of blood money when i know that i'm not getting any services i'm just it's just not it's not it's not even plausible to me when you when you say blood money whose whose blood is it that you're referring to the people who are being who are in this these like care facilities who aren't getting care like and, and dying yes right? yes and they're doing it i'm gonna tell you al it's happening in record numbers and what i mean by that is most of the time it's not exposed people are not even aware of what's going on because it's like well you it's people it's like are, an out of sight out of mind yes very thing. much so very mm-hmm. much so that was eloquently put and it's very true al i mean again i mean with just regards to mental health you know there are so many people that do not get the proper mental health that they need so you have a lot of people in the city that are not mentally balanced and then that's when they refer re- revert to drug abuse you yes, know because yes. what else are you gonna do yes absolutely and me me personally i mean i have my history with it's, substance abuse it's really easy to uh self-medicate when yeah. drug when drugs are so much e- readily available than actual mental health care absolutely and it's just so much easier to you know get high but you know Al, Al, at the same time for me if i may be so candid it acts, Please, as a, it, it acts as a buffer between me and the world. Reality, mm-hmm. a lot of times, is too damn harsh. We just had George Floyd, who got killed on national TV. Yeah. It sent this country back 40 years. This country is in a real, real mess. In other words, we are in very perilous times, and we can go in either direction. We have the uh, Black Lives Matter movement that has really galvanized people all over the world, being that we did witness George Floyd's death on national TV. That was a an It's atrocity. a shame that that's what had to what it had to take to get us all on somewhat of the same page, but to get other people to pay attention to what has been going on systemically in this country for over 50 years. But you, you, you hear me, Ali? I'll, I'll say this. In terms of uh, transparency and police psychological background checks and the like, we have such a long way to go because the, the mentality of the cops is to brutalize people. And yeah. we have many, many civilians at their hands that have died. Their blood is still crying out for justice. You throw some money at them, that's not going to absolve the fact that you took a life. It never does. Yeah. It, it, it helps in terms of maybe hardship, but it doesn't take bring the life back. And that's a loss that is permanent. So Absolutely. I, I really believe that they really need to do some serious background checks in terms of who they're hiring in terms of the psychological mm-hmm. aptitude of the, the cops because a lot of times... They're the, sickos. They're sick, murderous people. Not that there's anything wrong. Sometimes we'll get to that later. But I think that, again, Ali, I, I, I appreciate your sentiment because actually that's how I feel a lot of times that they just are barbaric. Yeah. They don't. They don't have. They don't care. No. They're trigger no. happy. Right. They'll shoot yes. anyone of yes. color. Yes. A black and man for doing nothing at all. Right. Nothing and at all. Me personally, I feel like I'm a target. I feel as though being a black man in this country is actually kind of dangerous right now because absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, absolutely. You know, we have people that do not like black people. We have, uh, you know, what's so oxymoronic, Al, is in 2020. We still have Howard Beach, where blacks are not allowed to go into or even live because of how the the yes. sub or the bus and the architecture of the bridges, right? No, it's because of the the, the place being racially 
oh. motivated in terms of not allowing black people in there. And they, you know, it, you don't see black people in Howard Beach. You're never going I've to. I've never been to Howard Beach, but that's it's a, it's, a, it's like it's a, it's like an surprising. enclave. But I mean, I feel like this Ali Ali is it's that it's just Al. If, David. Al I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Ali is cool too. Al, I feel like this <laughs> that if it were really up to me, Al, everyone would have decent housing. They would get the proper medical care, and they would get the mental health care that they need. If it was up to me. If okay. it were up to me, I would back that. 110 uh, percent because mental health is the it's so important it's just as important as like getting medicine for hiv right like if if you're sick in the head you 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 deserve to get help if you're sick like just like basic health care for everyone and you know i also wanted to speak about reparations Oh, yeah, you know, they really need to make reparations to these people, to myself, in terms of me being homeless, in terms of just being uh, disproportionately uh, dealt with in terms of medical care. When the COVID-19 crisis came along, black people were dying all over the place, and we were really the last ones to get service. I That's mean, it's, it's such a travesty in terms of how great this country is and the fact that we're the last ones to get served. I mean, this country at the moment is racially divided, the racial divisiveness is very paramount in everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. People are very, very angry, and they're disgruntled about the direction of the country. We have a president who we impeached, and he's still in office, so we do have some serious issues on hand. I think that the president that we have now, he's done a lot to cause a lot of this racial divisiveness. Had it not been for uh, uh, Cuomo or, or uh, I believe, uh, de Blasio, he would have moved tanks in at the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. 100%. But, but they, that's they, what he wanted to they do. They stopped it at the 11th hour. So, uh, you know, uh, it, right now... Imagine the people who would have died then. Yes. And, I mean, they, they, there's no there's no wherewithal or, or concern about people's lives. It's almost as if you take a life, so what? You know, and, I mean, to have that mentality in the police department is pretty damn dangerous. Now, mind you, I will never say that all police are bad. However, wow, beca- that's because more than what all say. Because because of less. the the uniform and the history of uniform, they become a walking target. And I don't necessarily care for their tactics or the fact that they're so racially motivated. But I believe at the end of the day, we're all human. We have needs, and you know, you basically have to judge someone on the content of their character and what they put out. I mean, yes, that's a really tough job, and you have people that psychologically truly are not fit to do that job whatsoever. Which is why we have the rash of senseless killings of black men in this country. I think that it really needs to be looked at. I think that there are major, major reparations that need to be given to the people that have suffered so much at the hands of the police. And furthermore, politically speaking, I think that we are in a a time where the country can go in either direction. Hopefully we'll get a president that is for the people, that will give the people what they want, that will absolve some of these issues because America has been moving at 80 miles an hour with the proverbial break on for a long time. We've always given a band-aid approach to huge, huge problems. And now we're in a big mess. We really don't know how we got here. And we really can't seem to figure it out. I will say this to that, and I'm going to let you go on out. That there is always, always room for improvement. Furthermore, no one, and I do mean absolutely no one, is born hating. You have to be taught to hate. That's 100% true. And that actually, thank you for shedding light on the fact that everyone is human. Because... I personally think that all cops are bad people um, because I think it takes a certain type of person to become someone who thinks that the whatever the law states 
is the way it should be and they're always in the right and I mean but you're right they, these are people who have families and you know maybe they're not all like psycho you know, killers and, I, I, and I, I appreciate that Al because you know it gives me room for to think about not being so one-sided about how I feel because my feelings are very passionate. They're always just beneath the surface in terms of the, 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 the disrespect and the unfairness that people of color are constantly being treated. But it's disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting. And the thing is, is, what I'm really, really grateful about is that we are finally getting attention to these, this thing that's going on far too long. Absolutely. And people are basically fed up, Al, with the fact that there is no... It's, it's, they're totally run amok in terms of their authority. And it's really abuse at very, very uh, in high places. And, you know, it's got to be stopped. It's got to be checked. And there need to be reparations made as well as you got to really know who you're hiring in terms of the police because it seems to me that we don't have a very good idea as to just who we're hiring. <laughs> That's very true. Um, so would you so you would say you're more for police reform over, like, uh, police abolition, like getting would, rid of I the would, police I would, altogether? I would, uh, me personally... I think that we can look at reform, but if we could actually get rid of the police in terms of, of governing ourselves, that would that's another possibility. Yeah. I'm not saying that either one. I just think that, you know, again, with police reform, it has to be real reform. It can't be this pan, mamby-pamby type of approach. You have to have strict guidelines. You have to have people that enforce those guidelines. You have to have people that like a, a watchdog over the, you know, police department because they've governed themselves for too long, and look what has happened. Yeah, and... And you think that they should be um, entitled, or th it should be required that they have like mental health. Like they yes, should, yes, they sh if yes. they are in this kind of position where they're killing people or like, you know, supposedly like putting their life on the line, you'd think that um, it would be um, required for them to get therapy and just like have wellness checks on even them you know yes absolutely absolutely like wellness checks like is this person about to break you know like and, and and then al if you really look at things i mean honestly look at them al we have had mass shootings yes I mean, we my, have. My, my thing is why the hell are we promoting gun gun having guns i mean I don't, Al, I understand that we have the Second Amendment. I get that. But it has occurred to me that the National Rifle Association is more powerful than the acting president, the sitting president, which goes to say this about that. I believe, in my very humble opinion, that if America was to cease and desist the sale or the purchase of munitions around the world because we do supply the world, then there would be no economy to speak of because we are gluttonous for oil, so we're dependent on other countries for oil. So our, I think our main means of commerce would be the, the sale and the purchase of munitions around the world because as I said we supply the entire world so you think so you think that we should still sell guns to the other countries but not our citizens no I don't think we should sell guns at all I don't think we should sell guns Period. at all either like but can you imagine so all these people who are pro NRA pro um, open or just like carrying a gun um, and it's a certain type of people. It's not uh, not to like um, stereotype, but it's you know like a someone in a red state. You'd like yes, say, right? Yeah, yes. Um, and of course, most if not all mass shooters are white yes, men. Yes. Um, imagine, just imagine if 
Black Lives Matter, like if everyone at these protests was armed, do you know how they, can you even imagine how they would deal with us? Everyone would, everyone would be shot dead. And you know, I'm going to tell you, everyone Ali, would be shot dead. I'm going to tell you, that is, wow. I mean, you really kind of hit the nail on the head. Ali, that is not too, that's not an unreality. It can happen. Who's mm-hmm. to say that it won't happen? Yeah. My thing is. It's extremely dangerous to be a black person in this country right now. And I don't, I don't see that actually going anywhere. I, I mean, I hate to have to walk around in a state of fear for my own life or my own safety because it's not supposed to be like that. God help those that, the, the black men and women that have children that have to worry ceaselessly about their safety and their well-being because as soon as they leave the house, you don't know what may or may not happen. And with all the guns and the gunfire in Brooklyn and Staten Island and Queens, some of these areas, demographically speaking, have murder rates per capita that are high as hell. And, and it doesn't seem to be any stoppage at all. Well, what, what do you think would, would help stop it stop the um aside from not um selling guns like do you do you think that there's lacking like uh support from the government as in terms of like home uh, like shelters or um mental health or just, uh, they, facilities they, let me, ali let me say this to you al you know they in california i believe in san francisco they made a law that says that the homeless people can stay on the street First of all, they don't. It, it seems to me that there's so much money. I mean, out. where are, where are they supposed to go? Exactly. Like, what are they, what are you going to do? Shoot them? But the thing, like. is, but the thing, Ali, is this is. First of all, you're creating more of a problem. Secondly, you're not addressing the original problem, and it's, it becomes layered. That there's it, homelessness. Yes, are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, really, and. You have violence on the streets. You have people. It, it, it's madness, and no one. Like I just said, and I'm gonna say it again for the record. Al, you have money at the top that's being misappropriated. I mean, let's just take the MTA, for example. They, they bleed money off the fucking poor. I yes, mean, they, they, they who's gonna, what's, what's wrong with this? I mean, and the system is still broke. Mm-hmm. It's, they have not tried to It's can't. very expensive to, yeah. I mean, come to on. ride the train. Yeah, and That it, barely works So anyway. now, my thing is, when they had the, uh, the Black Lives Movement and they did all that looting, I don't think it was to break into stores just for the sake of breaking into Hell stores. No. It was to let to send a message like we're fed up. Yeah. You know, we need help. Yeah. Now the thing yeah, that fuck the, you and all of your money. This is like a drop in the bucket. Absolutely. For you. Absolutely. It wasn't about looting. It wasn't about like stealing no. or just no. like just cause just, or just greed or being crazy and like whatever. Like these crazy teens or whatever. Because they tried to um, frame it that people who weren't a part of Black Lives Matter were doing this, but it was a part um, of the movement, I think, to get the attention of the rest of society. Like, we're not fucking around anymore. And, and, and like, it's, it's capitalism, like, that is, is based on racism. Absolutely. I mean, Al, you put it... I couldn't put it no better. Basically, like I said, Al, you know... I really, I, me personally, I would like to see mental health issues get really addressed in a concrete, 100%. Pl- plausible manner where these people are really getting the help that they need. Uh-huh. Furthermore, homelessness, there's no excuse to be homeless. I don't feel with all these buildings. With all these condos these, and I buildings mean, and empty hotels, yes, especially I mean, during a, a pandemic. Right. They're all empty. All of these WeWork spaces, these offices, these these condos, that like that one, um, that really tall one. 
by Central Park, like Central Park South, yes. that no one can afford to buy an apartment in because they're so expensive. Like, what is that? Like, why why do we have that? And furthermore, why are why isn't that being like taxed for being an unoccupied building? But you know and what? even this building, David, I don't know if you knew that, but so right now we're at the People's Space. Um, in the East Village, it is a harm reduction center as well as um, a mutual aid place, and we try to um, redistribute uh, care and right. give care to the people who have been ignored for so long. Yes, and final, um, yeah, but just doing what we can. It's very little, but it's no. I, I, but, I, that's the, the, don't underscore this, don't but, underscore the fact that first of all, but this place was closed for. 10 years. Wow, really? Not just like a vacant building. Okay. Well, um, let me... Okay, I got you. Let me say this about that. L, we so sorely need these resources. I know. No, no, no. I know. I mean, there's so many people that need raises and toothbrushes and just basic toiletries, water, stuff like that. But they don't have access to. The main thing about being homeless is where you're going to use a restroom. Uh I mean, a lot of times you can't shower or... it's, It's a mess. And the thing is, is like I said... I don't know why all this money is being misappropriated in terms of getting people decent, affordable housing, mm-hmm. as well as I think that also there should be a mental health unit or component within these house, these, these housing uh, facilities for people that really need mental health. Absolutely. Because everything would be the umbrella effect where they're getting the services rendered or in one place as opposed to going to 20 different places just to have them to get service. I think that it's so important to, to make a con- concerted effort to make it easy for people not like jumping through a million hoops to get right to get like a a or if you don't have a phone like how are you like i was trying to get um this woman who is a resident here um she wanted to get like the uh stimulus check right but you can't do that unless you have a computer or a phone right how the hell are people who don't have access to that going to get the money from, that's owed to them from the government. You know, Ali, that uh, is who a, are dying in the streets. That you know, a, it's yeah, it's just a, like it's crazy. All of these things should be available to everyone and especially the vulnerable people who are who who are homeless not by choice but by the system. Absolutely. You didn't choose to be homeless no, no, at all. Like no. I know you didn't. I I'll say this about that. You know, you talked about the stimulus check. Now, one or two checks is not going to make these damn problems Thank go away. Thank you for saying that, They're too. not. I mean, if you, it, it was $1,200. Do you realize that most of those people spent that damn money on drugs? People were like, oh, I'm rich. I can, And they did. A lot of them overdosed, too, because they don't look. Let me say I this. I spent let, my stimulus check on my drug of choice, which was clothing. So okay. I... I get it. You know, I mean, because people who don't have money and all of a sudden they have money, right, they're going to spend it on. Right. That, yeah, that's right. just like a poor person mentality. Right. Like, that's just right. how it, it goes. It right. sucks. And, and it's really hard to restrain yourself when you have that much money <laughs> for like the first time. Right. You know? I, yes. I, I, <laughs> you're so right. But I think that it's not they need, No. I mean, you know, it's a drop in the bucket to really major, major problems in this country. Mainly with uh, blacks always being the last to get hired and the first to get fired, you know, economically they are really, really struggling to keep the roof over their head. Most people that I know, demographically speaking, are living from check to check, and that's not good. Most, I mean, and basically that's, everyone I know. Yes, yes, and it's, it's it's just sad. I mean, we're in a, the greatest country in the world, and it, it, we, we I think that first of all, when we had the uh, COVID crisis. 
it really knocked us for a loop. First of all, we were not prepared at all. We had no ventilators. We had no respirators. People were dying all over the country in record numbers, and there was no stoppage. They had to make makeshift morgues and graves. And that, I don't think any of us will ever forget the images of that no. or just, like, seeing that in Central Park. Horrifying. Are you kidding me? Horrifying. Are you kidding me? And it just goes to show you that that inadequacies of the system. Mm-hmm. It just goes because they were just. We had a deluge of dead bodies all over this country. Mm-hmm. They had to make makeshift graves all over the place. They had to go to Randall's Island and just dump bodies over there yeah. because they were contaminated. They, it was a mess, an absolute mess. Now, the case in point is this: is we seem to be out of the red, so to speak, but we have other states like Florida, uh, Los Angeles, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas. And a couple other states to the the record numbers of COVID cases are continuing to climb because people are not taking the necessary precautions in terms of mask wearing and uh, six feet uh, apart distance is still very much a threat. And people really need to take it seriously. And it's mostly white people, I'll say, because they don't care. No, they don't. I mean, (laughs) you know what? Let me say this. Well, where I, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood in Brooklyn, and I will say that I see... No one, no one wears a mask there because I don't care. Because they, if they get sick, they can afford to go to um, the hospital, or, or, or like they can afford it. They're not worried about themselves, and yeah. And I'm, most of the people in my neighborhood, they probably have an expensive therapist. But, and but Al, that does not Al. Let me just say this about that. Okay. Uh, those are protections, but they only go so far. Do you realize, Al, when people... You mean the mask? The mask, the- in, in terms of not wearing versus wearing it. But the oh, thing yes. is, is when someone gets to COVID, it's over. Most of the time, they right. do not recover. Furthermore, if you're going to make the conscientious choice not to wear the mask in terms of what can possibly happen to you, then that's basically on you because they, you've been warned. They got signs everywhere. But gotta- also, if... Someone dies because of you. That's blood on your hands. You're damn right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, I that's think what that pe- that's what people don't really think about. I I, I think that's that's it. I, the, I think they are like I'm healthy, so I'm fine. But they don't think about how it's affecting how they can kill someone. Right. You know. Right. And it's really. I mean, I don't know. I really feel as though we are. Uh, we like to pretend, we like to party about at every occasion, and we are not in the position where I have the luxury of partying. We have some real deep-seated issues that are on fire in this country, and they're not going anywhere. They're just not going anywhere. Yeah. You have people all over the world that want to see effective change. I happen to be one of them. And to be a black man and have this moment in this country, it's a great moment. I will definitely say that. At the same time, there are dangers that come with this moment in terms of personal safety, the fact that my life matters, the fact that I'm a black man. And yes, right now, I, I feel the, as though I'm a target. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely have homeless issues and I have my own personal mental health issues, which I do, which I'm, I, I address. And we can same, talk about those if and you at, want. at the same time, well, I'm, they, they, I, I've, had, I've been sexually molested. Wait, wait, David, hold on. Yeah. I just want to um, ask you one thing sure. just while we're on the, still on the topic of homelessness. Um, are you registered to vote and were you able to vote in the past, like, no, elections I, I was because you don't have no, an address. No, 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 I was locked up for a long time. I was in uh, prison for about sixteen years. So when did you get out? Two thousand eight. Oh wow! Well, welcome. You've yeah, been, I, you've been out. Yes. You've been you've been staying yes. out. You're the staying. Thing, the thing for me when <laughs> I got out was 
to make the adjustments to my life slowly. And I had a oh, lot. Oh, so you can't vote by law. I get it. Yeah. That's right. What, that's what right. They, yeah. Which is bullshit as right. well. Of course. It's fucking bullshit. Of course. Also like a, a way to um, oppress people who yes. want to see actual change. Yes. And that is a, a very effective way to do it. And I think a racist that, way too. Because yes. when you were in jail, how many people were people of color compared to white people? Most of them were Predominantly, the whole jail. Yeah, you know and exactly. I, I think again that, you know, first of all, again, I want to thank you for allowing me on your podcast because I'm hoping that people allowing will really you. This is a privilege and an honor. <laughs> You're crazy. Oh my god, thank you for uh, for allowing me to interview you. It's, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say this about my uh, mental health status. You mm-hmm. know, I have a, a a history of mental health, and I'm not ashamed of it because I get the help that I need. So I, I'm gonna seek help. That, that's the main thing for me. And I will definitely tell other people: don't be ashamed of going to seek mental health Absolutely. help. Absolutely, it will. It can. It can really change your life. It can give you a different perspective, and it can give you hope. I mean, to David. let you know that there are people that do care and that will help you. Just gotta reach out and grab the help that's available to you. David, that's so sweet. And that's basically what I want my podcast to be because there's really not many resources <laughs> available. And I try, I hope that when, when people like email me and or message me and tell me that this podcast like helps them, it means so much to me. And because I, I know how expensive therapy is, I know how important, because I also suffer with mental health problems. Yes. I um, have been misdiagnosed with bipolar. I um, I take a shit ton of pills to keep me from killing myself every day. And I'm so lucky that I took it upon myself to seek help when right. I did because right. I would have been dead. Right. And I, and I also, um, I've been sober for almost two years. I was an alcoholic. And if I had kept going on that path, I would definitely be dead one way or another. You know, Al, I really need to say this to you. I really so appreciate your honesty and your candor. <laughs> and believe me, it will galvanize people to come forward and talk about I hope this. so. Oh, it's it will. important. It it's so it important. It really will. It really will. You just, you'll see. I mean, people will start hitting you up in terms of, because it's so, like you said, it's so important to expose these issues. And yeah, because so addressed. many people have these issues. Most people have these issues. They just, when when you don't, help them or treat them they fester and then like yes your life crumbles then you you have something that's totally out of control where there is no real stoppage yeah so the thing for me is again i I would really want to see some real proactive uh changes i want to see transparency in the police department Mm -hmm. i want them to have serious psychological background checks i want to know who we're hiring to police the civilians i want to know uh how uh, the police are conducting themselves by having a separate entity govern them and check on them in terms of a watchdog. Those are things that are feasible. Those are things True. that can can be done. And they, I think that they would systemically go a long ways in terms of turning the tide of hatred, bigotry, and hypocrisy in this country. So you think instead of defunding the police, we should, they should re like, Keep their budget, which is no absurd. No, but no. okay, defund them a little. But they should no. have they, they should they should redistribute the like um, the money that they do have to have like this watch. Um, 
I think there was six, six, six billion dollars for that department. It's totally fucking absurd. It's, it's disgusting. Insane. It's disgusting. And the thing is, it's, a, it's wasteful. <laughs> yeah. My thing is, we don't even see where the money's going and where it's working at. No. We just don't see it. No. Furthermore, it's wasteful. It's just it's a it's a damn travesty. I yeah. Mean, and it's, I, I, and then I it's just not, like I, put these people in Rikers out of sight, out of mind. Right. Me personally, I don't want to see them defunded I, I want them to have no money yeah I don't no we, we don't want them we hate you know, them i mean i really I don't mean, because there's people. so much abuse going on it's still yeah. going on as no. we speak yeah yeah um do you mind talking about um the time that you did I, were oh, you no. in rikers i was no i did, i was upstate for from 2000 uh, 1993 to 2008 which one were you out upstate i was in clinton i was in all the maxes because i kept fighting oh i'm from um Near the one in Stormville, I forgot what it's um, called. Um, I I know what you're talking about. I know it's um Attica. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I was there as well. What it was like for me is this: is you have a lot of people that are never coming home, they're never getting out of jail, and then you have those that are getting out of jail that have to kind of go under the people that take un be and taken under their wing in terms of and their rights are stripped away. They can't vote. They're dehumanized. And and, and people look at treat felons like a fucking felon. Like yes. And yes. it stays with you on your permanent record. Yes. And there are so many things that you can't do, like right. get jobs and these background right. checks on right. just like civilians, you know, right. just to like get a, a job. Right. Which, yeah. No, it's crazy. The whole prison, sy prison system is fucked and, and racist. It's always and been. And I'll leave. Do you want, oh, you want, you're not feeling well? No, it's getting hot in here. Let, let's press pause. All right, sure. Okay, we're back. I hope you enjoyed uh, Louis' theme song. Thank you again, Louis Glazer. But you'll like the theme song. I'll play it for you. Okay, cool. Okay, David. Yes. Where were we? We just had to step outside because we are recording this in a basement, and we both thought we were going to pass out. <laughs> but <laughs> now, but now we're okay. Okay. Um. So, David, we were talking about your time in the clink. Right. <laughs> Sorry, it's no, not it's cool it's for it's me fine. to say that. No, it's, it's fine. Okay. Um. So basically, I went away uh, in two, uh, 1993 for drug sale and a, a, a host of other things, um, violence, uh, gun possession, stuff like that. Right. The, the tipping point for me was the fact that I was in jail and I had to do this time. I really was not sure as to how I was going to do it or who I was. I, I, I didn't have any idea as to how I would get through that, that, the time that I had to do. What really is important to me to express to the audience here is... No one should have to be dehumanized in that manner. There's a lot of sexual abuse that goes on in there from the top officials on down to the inmates. Is there any mental health care at all in there? Yes. There and so, and, and, yes. In some facilities, they're... they're I actually have heard that it is yeah. pretty good. Yes. It is because they're... In that respect, they're very comprehensive because... I've heard of I've They've heard had that major too. lawsuits in terms of people dying or yeah. getting physically assaulted or even abused. So uh -huh. in terms of the mental health component and the co cohesiveness of that particular service, I would have to say it's pretty decent in terms of having to be incarcerated or finding yourself incarcerated and needing those services. For me, I, st I, I, I uh, stayed under mental health while I was in, in uh, prison because for me, it was very helpful. Again, while I was there, um, I was exposed to a lot of things that were unsavory in terms of people, 
people getting into fights, people losing their life over little or nothing. Yeah. And that really is the mentality of a prison life is dog eat dog mentality. And the thing about prison is you mind your business and you keep your nose clean and you should be fine, but that doesn't always mean that that's going to happen that way. Mm-hmm. You have things that happen that are not in your immediate control, like a riot or a disturbance where you're affected uh by what's going on and you have nothing to do with it but because you're there you are affected and if they the police are coming at you they, they're not coming to talk to you they're coming to swing the baton at you i've had that happen on several occasions during my incarceration mm-hmm. a lot of times it's the police against the inmates or the inmates against the police because the police are barbaric in those places they are as they, they are on the outside and it's, but it's, i can it's, only imagine what they do behind closed doors yeah, I, I, it makes me sick to think about actually it's it's to the 10th power in terms of the, the the systematic abuse and only when someone gets like we had a a, 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 a sergeant years ago who was abusing the the, the the inmate sexually he got found out and he ended up sick killing him. him he ended up shooting himself to death the point Jesus is, is Christ. you know, there was no closure for those people. There absolutely after, was no closure. No, even after no, that. Yeah. no. How there do was you no. get? How do you move past that? I was just explaining to my dad that things that happened, that things traumatic as traumatic as sexual abuse, that it doesn't go away. No. It's something that you carry, you have to carry for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And the, and honestly, the only thing you can do is just accept it which is the heart acceptance is the hardest thing you know because hardest I, place to get to I, I, and it's still and still when you do accept it it you're it's still something that you carry around I, you know al i'm gonna I'm I'm tell you and you know that really is true but it, you know i think that for me uh, no, did, for me there was never any closure, sweetheart. It was just never any closure in terms of I had to give myself closure in terms of what was right for me. I mean, I, I already knew I was damaged goods in terms of the abuse that I suffered at the That's hands of people. That's not true. There's no such thing as damaged goods. Well, I'd say that in the respect that you know, my life was certainly impacted and would never be, again be the same in terms of just having a certain sort of normalcy to we it. We all ha- carry baggage, though. It's uh, okay to carry baggage. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, let me hit on this talking point right quick, Al, Al yes, is please. that, you know, um, in some ways being incarcerated really kind of helped define who I am in terms of what I wasn't going to stand for, discipline, uh, mental health issues as well. Kind of understanding that once I got out, I would have to start my life over again and I would need serious help doing that. Yeah. Um, I've had uh, times where I've had relapses from drug use, crack cocaine, which is my drug of choice. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been horrendous. It's been absolutely a fucking nightmare. I've been off crack now for, well, maybe two or three months. You know, I mean, congratulations. I hope, uh, We're gonna start counting days. I think. Yes, yes, because we're gonna start counting. Things get really hard, Al. And I'm not. I, listen, I will never intellectualize my drug use or my drug. I'm not doing that now, and I'm not. I'm certainly not gonna do it in the future. I just feel like, for me, and only for me, I can't speak for anybody else. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to. It, it acts as a buffer between me and reality. And Absolutely. I mean, That's my, my thing is self-medicating is. I love to be in a euphoric state, and if I could be like that all day, I probably would, but reality beckons where I have to address the practicalities of my life, like being homeless, which, again, I want, want to touch on again. Again, these single-room occupancy hotels that house people that are homeless or HIV or suffering from mental health issues or even or all three at one time, you know, it needs to really be understood that you cannot just put a bandit approach to this. You have to take each individual and address their needs by talking to them. Absolutely. Finding out what's going on with them. Finding out what matters to them. Because every single person 
is different and their life matters just as absolutely does, absolutely no matter who the person is yes yeah. okay um and honestly it's so easy to to get, find yourself in jail you know it can happen just like that yes and as, and especially when the cards are against you by yes. being black a yes. black man yes absolutely I, I i and and the way it works is if you don't have money you don't get out and that's another disgusting thing about bail i will be candid um and say that my brother has um he is in the clink right now my living brother my other brother overdosed right. last year on fentanyl um which is just yeah it ha and that's when i was only like three months sober so that was a big that's kind of where when i found out who i wanted to be and what i wanted to stand for too right. with mental health and like um harm reduction right. advocacy and like not stigmatizing people with mental health or addiction and you know letting everyone know that we all are we all are suffering and it's okay right um but yeah so my my brother he is i forgot what i was saying with this but um he's there and yeah it's just he 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 suffers with mental health problems yes. and drug addiction. Yes. And the reason he just keeps finding himself there because of the uh, because he has no access to mental health. I mean, granted, I've offered to like get him Medicaid and blah blah blah. But you know, some people it's just really hard to accept yes. that they're an addict. Yes. It's that accepting it is so hard. I'm I'm gonna say this about that, Al. My drug use has taken me to some really horrible places and around some same. really unsavory people, and some very fucked up things have happened based on using oh, drugs. Oh God, same. And if I also, can I just add, yeah. if I could be drunk all the time, always, <laughs> I would be drunk all the time, always. <laughs> In fact, I was living my life like that um, up until two years ago. It's a right. it's a miracle that I like am not in jail or dead. Right. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to add that having a drug of choice is crazy because it, you it's what you want more that you love it more than your own family yes which is it's sick like no one wants to feel that way about a fucking drug right. a substance that's right. mind altering but you know al at the same time at least for me i'll just keep it on me sorry yeah let's it, keep it, it on you it just no, it, enough it, about it, me. It, it, it just it, it, again I, i'm not justifying or it, it's just one of those things that because i'm hiv positive I have polycystic kidney disease. I have asthma and I have high blood pressure. If that's, if that's not a laundry list, I don't know what the hell is. Now, mind you, I don't run around mammy-pammy, oh, I'm going to get high today and I'm just going to act like a damn fool. No. There yeah. are things that happen in terms of emotional issues that mm -hmm. either I don't have a handle on how to deal with them or it just becomes too much and I self-medicate. It's Absolutely. just that simple. That's how I don't, it works. I don't make any bones about it. I don't try to... It's just so that I can just relax because my life is complicated as it is. I'm homeless. I have I have all these things going on, and I don't I'm not looking for people. I just want people to be aware of these issues, and if you have someone that you know is suffering from mental health issues or substance abuse issues or even homelessness, you know, do what you can, great yeah, or small, absolutely. to affect change. I mean, whoever you might be out there in terms of this audience or whoever may hear me, please do what I don't. It's not even about money per se. It's about providing adequate home, homes to people. Yeah. I see people on the street give money to, to people that are homeless every day. It does no good. They go get high or drink or whatever. I mean, but I, go ahead. I want to say that um, giving money to people who are homeless and them spending the money to get drink or high, they 
again, like what you were saying, it's them self-medicating. It's yes. not them partying. No. They're not no. like having a good time. No. They are doing this because they're having like a terrible time. Yes. Their life Absolutely. sucks. Um, you know, like that's that's why that they are addicted to this because it's yes. not because they're having a good time. And that's really something I want to like drive. But home. you know, also I wanted to say that, you know, I have definitely gotten the help that I need in terms of, thank God almighty. I have, a, I have a huge, huge support team. That's amazing. And the thing is, in a, in a sense, it's kind of frightening because the outpouring of love and support that I've, I've experienced so recently it actually is a bit frightening because I've never experienced to the degree that I have, and I'm kind of getting used to people embracing me. To the, I mean, I have people just do amazing, amazing, amazing things for me with regards to the homelessness and the Black Lives Matter. It's just I have met some amazing, amazing mm -hmm. people from all over the world who really, really give a damn about change in this country. And I want to give recognition to my friend here, Al. She's been so supportive, so wonderful. She's She's just been like my mother, to tell you the truth. Oh, but, don't um, say that. Anyway, no, she really has been wonderful to me, and I just feel really honored to be part of this, this bigger picture because I'm only a, one person. I, if I can affect change for someone, anyone, whoever it may be, that's really what I'm all about. That's really what I would love to see happen. I'm, I'm 56 years old, so... I mean, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. I don't think anybody Stop actually it. has it. We're not putting that into the universe, remember? <laughs> well, all right, all right, fine. Well, I'll just say this real quick, that, you know, my, my, my life my life is it's full. Even though I have these major problems, it's full because of the people that enrich my life. And I'm going to tell you something, people. Money does not make my life rich. It's the people that are in my life that make my life rich. Let's be able to distinguish that. I want it clarified. They bring such a richness to my life in terms of resources, who they are and who they know, and just the fact that they're concerned about me and want the best for me. That's true wealth. David, that practicing gratitude really is such an amazing tool that I learned not out here when I was in a, a psych ward. When uh, I, I gave David some of my CBT workbooks earlier today, you asked where I got them and like where I learned about all that stuff. Yes. I had to go, I had to be put away in a psych ward to, for me to be able to learn about these tools for self-therapy because I couldn't afford therapy when I was out of the psych but ward. But you know, uh, Al, that's, that's so, the thing that I really commend you on is the forthright and your honesty because a lot of people are ashamed of the fact that they may have had, I've been hospitalized a couple of times for mental health issues. It makes you more interesting. I think so. To say the least, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think again that, you know, we, I, I don't know. I really, again, this moment that we're having in this country, it's a very strange moment. It's a very perilous moment and it can go in either direction. I really must reiterate that we have only seen the tipping point of this. The ice, this just because much more is coming. People and those people who live in a glass bubble or live in a bubble, your bubble's about to burst. Mm -hmm. Reality is coming to march in on you where you can't deny what's going on. Your money and your being exclusive is not going to protect you in terms of you being an American, you being a citizen, and being affected by what goes on in this country. Whether you live in an enclave or not, you're still going to be affected in terms of what economically, socially, and morally is wrong with this country. Yeah, and I think we're people are finally opening or waking up to it, you know, to to an extent. Um, oh my God, that's so astute and concise, and you're great. You you have a way of words. You're a poet. Thank you. You're a poet. <laughs> yes. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before we get to your poetry, yes, just real quick. 
I'm dying to know what. Okay, we can edit this out if you're not comfortable talking about it. But oh my god, my brother is actually calling from the jail right now. Let me just pause this. And we're back. Um, David. Yes. So why were you doing 16 years? Um, for various reasons. I uh, had a major drug abuse. Uh, but what, major what was the, the, the cool one? The, I was like, that's so cool. Um, well, actually. I, don't, I know you don't think it's cool. I'm sorry. Well, I, I had to kill someone. Yeah. And they had done something to my mother and I went away. And you were protecting your mother. Listen, we Which only let me say that you saying that I was like your mother is the highest compliment. You know, I'm gonna you tell you now. For that woman. I'm 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 gonna tell you out. Listen, check this out. I was very close to my mother. I didn't understand her her drinking and what she would do, but she was still my mother. And come hook or crook, she was still my mother. And I did what I had to do in terms of her. She didn't want me to. I wasn't thinking about what the hell she wanted. It was not about her. It was about me protecting my mother. Yeah. And a lot of times people I don't, you know, again, with regards to just relationships, they're, and in a time like this for me, Al, they're being sorely tested. I have found out, Al, who is really with me and who's not with me in terms of need, in terms of services, in terms of support. When I was locked up for all those years, there were people on the inside that supported me as well, my family, but basically the people that were inside with me were the ones that helped me get through the time and kind of discipline myself in terms of what to do, what not to do, and kind of look forward to being on the outside again. That's it was, amazing. It was very, very, That's very hard really, to really do the time. Nice. I mean, I feel like people are just drawn to you. You have this aura of positive energy. Oh, thank you. Thank you so you, much, Al. You went to jail for your mom. That's uh, like yeah. the most... <laughs> That's so noble. And despite, you said, like, her, her drinking. Yes. And so you... So you... Um, so your mom was an alcoholic? Yes. And... Yeah. Well, I, I, let me speak on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Please. I was very close to my mother, and she had 16 children. She Jesus. pined for my father, and in my 16? very humble opinion, he destroyed her, and she allowed him to destroy her. That's how I feel. I'm never going to, that's just how I feel, because I, I watched everything as a kid. She would bring up the subject matter of him being my father, and we would have these horrible, horrible roles, because I told her, he's broken your arms, he's blackened your eyes, he's, what are you talking about? What, don't mention that man around me, because he, I've watched him do this to you over and over again. What is wrong with you? But she loved him, and he was my father, and that's what she wanted me to honor. It's Tough really up. hard to leave an abusive relationship. Yes, yes. Um, before my mother died, I always asked her, because I write poetry, everyone. I'm, I've been writing forever. But Poet more importantly, Washington Square Park. Yes, that's, that's what they dubbed me, the uh, Poet of Washington Square Park, and it's a great, great honor and privilege. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say this before we go. Um, my mother was an alcoholic, and she drank us under the table on your best day. While we were reaching for our toothbrushes, she was reaching for her bottle, and that would be 7 o'clock in the morning, to be sure. I wrote a poem about her drinking because I always wanted to know, why do you drink like that? It goes something like this. Mother, why do you drink like that? Oatmeal hard enough to play dominoes with. Mother, why do you drink like that? Gin and tonic, you say? Mother, why do you drink like that? Man gone, man wrong, man dead wrong. Mother, why do you drink like that? Black and blue marks cover your back, arms, legs, and face. Mother, why do you drink like that? Gin and tonic, you say? Mother, why do you drink like that? Children all grown up now. 
mother, why do you drink like that? Gin and tonic, you say? Man gone, man wrong, man dead wrong. Mother, why do you drink like that? Mother, why do you drink like that? David, that's so beautiful. Thank you so I'm much. I'm going to cry. No. I, I feel like that is a really, oh my God, moving. Thank you. That you really are the poet of Washington Square Park. Thank you so much. I, just, just let me say this real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I never Please. really got a conclusive answer as to my mother's drinking, but it it really disturbed the hell out of me because she was so beautiful. I, I, to this day, all these years later, I don't have the answer. She told me what her version was, but... I don't think it was acceptable to me. I, and the fact remains that she was in love with a man that didn't love her back. Well, this goes back to acceptance being the hardest thing, you know? Yes. And I... Is she a good mom to you? Yes! Are you kidding me? Then, then, then well, she did I, what she wanted. She wanted... She was a great mom to 16. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know. Right. And I do know that drinking... Um, inhibits your ability to parrot, parent. Yes, yes. But I think she was. I think she'd be so proud of you. Oh, I'm hoping that she is. I'm hoping she's looking down now. But I'll oh, say she this: she absolutely is. <laughs> and you're the youngest of sixteen, uh, right? Yes, yes. That means you're the. Fi- you are definitely her favorite. I was. I was. I <laughs> know how the, the, being the youngest is. I'm not the youngest. Okay. I'm the oldest. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want? Oh my God, no. Um, I mean. We could we could do this again sometime. Oh, of course. Oh, listen, um, <laughs> we can do this whenever you yeah. uh, want. Out. I <laughs> mean, I've enjoyed myself. Um, my whole thing, people who ever listens to this podcast, just be aware of these issues that I talked about because at some point they you. The matter of fact, let me just say this real quick. You can never say, and no one can ever say, if they will become homeless. You can have all the money, all of this, all of that, and you can become homeless. It doesn't mean that you can't or you're above it. So. Please, people, bear that in mind, whoever may hear this podcast. Also, if you know someone that is in need of mental health services or housing services or um, substance abuse services, reach out to these people, please, or connect them to the proper resources so that they can get the help that they so sorely need. And I will link these some of these resources. Thank you so much for your time, Al. Oh, it's been thank great. Thank you, David. You're quite welcome. Aww. Let's get out of this basement now yes. before right. we pass out. Right. Okay, bye. Bye.